I'm DB, a.k.a. Danielle Bezalow, and I'll be your host for the next six episodes of this podcast and beyond. Sex. Birth control. Bondage, domination, sadism, and masochism. Everyone took the condoms, blew them up in the hallway. Conversations about STI and safer sex did not happen. My first time I saw a condom, I was 20 years old. Never do anything that doesn't feel right to you. Otherwise, you're not consenting. I don't even know about a penis's anatomy. I want to be someone who talks more about it openly to degrossify it. So there we were. <laughs> Starting a sex ed club. <laughs> Welcome to Sex Ed with DB, an intersectional feminist podcast for folks who want to hear real stories from five Bay Area voices as we try to revolutionize the way we talk about sex. This is episode four. We are doing consent and rape culture. Can you talk about the definition of consent and why it is so important in communicating with a partner? Yeah, well, consent essentially is permission. And I think that it's really important that it's woven throughout our lives. It's Remember, this is Ivy Chen, a sexuality professor at SF State who has been teaching sex ed in the Bay for over 20 years. It's not just about sexual consent, but it's really about power dynamics in relationships. And it actually goes way back to childhood. So one of the things that I actually tell parents is, you know what? If you've got relatives visiting and when they're about to leave and you tell your kid, give them a hug and kiss, give them a hug and kiss. And if your kids are really resistant, don't force them, right? You did not get their consent. That's right. Yeah. So from a young age, I think that they should be told, look, this is your body and you choose who touches you. And I'm not going to force you as an authority to go hug and kiss somebody, which these are really intimate touches, right? Uh, Somebody and you don't want to, right? And certainly even family, right? And so some of the kids that I teach, they're going through puberty, they're developing, right? And their breasts are sore and and they're, they've got growing pains and they're just like, you know, it kind of hurts when they squeeze me, right? You know, or that I just feel kind of self-conscious right now. And if they don't want to engage in that type of touch, they shouldn't have to, right? And so it really starts from a very young age about just having agency over your own body and making a decision of who gets to touch you. And I feel like that if that theme that thought pattern is already in their lives, it shouldn't deviate a whole lot when they get into a romantic or sexual relationship. Uh, I mean, we talked about the media a little bit as well, but I think that certainly to see consent discussed more openly and... It should be in every single... I'm just like super passionate about this topic because I just think that it is your body, it is your choice, like it's so personal Mm -hmm. and like whenever someone takes that away from you and especially like you're just about to say but I needed to say something in movies like when they're, you know, all of a sudden their clothes are ripped off and you know, it gets aggressive and like who asked if that was okay? Like there was no sort of like sense of like oh, yeah, we talked about this prior. It's just like from cut to cut to right, cut. Right, And, and always the uh, the other partner just acts like they liked it, right? They're totally. Just like, yes, that is so hot. Exactly. Right? When, in fact, maybe in real life it's a little scary or like, well, that's a little too aggressive or, hey, wait, that hurts, right? Yeah. And for them to be able to speak up about that and, um, you know, and I actually, here's the thing. I think that consent can be sexy, right? It doesn't have to be robotic. It doesn't have to be clinical. I think that if somebody were to say, hey, you know, I'd really like to do this, right? It gives an opportunity to have a discussion about whether the other person would also like to, or to maybe ask open-ended questions about, so, you know, how would you like me to touch you? If you're asking for consent, it can actually add to the pleasure. It can, it can be sexy, right? So it doesn't have to be an interruption. And I like the way you just said that about like, it can be sexy because I feel like there are a lot of college campaigns where it's just like, 
like consent is only like sexy like consent is whatever you know consent is mandatory is like the bottom line right and then like it can be sexy it can be fun you yeah. know um yeah okay yeah. rather than just the punishment model which is like you know if you don't then you'll go to jail you right know? or yeah and so i mean it, rape is really scary, you know, and, and so, uh, so a lot of people just don't want to talk about it, right? But it, it absolutely is important to talk about it, but we can, we can talk about it in a way that people would want to hear it. Do you know the statistics about how many, um, like, young American women are sexually assaulted or raped every year? Yeah, so, I mean, it, and it's, it's a little hard to get a hard statistic on it, and one of the reasons why is because a lot of sexual assault is, uh, is not reported, Right. So I want to say it's something like under 20 percent of cases even gets reported. And one of the things to realize, too, is that, of course, young men can be sexually assaulted, too. Right. Uh, and those are even reported even less, you know, because of a sense of maybe shame or you know, that they won't be believed or whatever it might be. Um, so but in fact, I mean, one statistic is that for college age students between the ages of 18 and 24, they are actually the age group, the age group that's at the highest risk. Of sexual assault and a lot of it has to do with just being first time away from home and not necessarily being around a group of people whom they know or can trust and alcohol plays a really big role in this we can't really talk about sexual assault without talking about alcohol and how some people might use that to to get their date to loosen up right in right. quotes you know as well as as to actually you know pass out or to use date rape drugs you know and so in that case and, and just pressured or encouraged to drink a whole lot mm -hmm. and so yeah so i mean that age range between 18 and 24 it's a pretty high risk age range particularly for young women and in fact one of the things that sounds kind of odd is that somebody who had been sexually assaulted even they themselves might not realize that because it doesn't necessarily resemble what they think a rape might look like they might think, well, I mean, they didn't use a weapon, you know, they weren't, um, they weren't threatening my life. Like they didn't, they didn't necessarily leave, um, other injuries. Right. You know, so, but still, I, I think that sometimes they, they might even just say, oh, that was just really bad sex, you know? And it's like, no, actually that, that was actually rape, legally speaking. Right. Know? Um, what does consent look like and sound like to you? Is it a simple, like, Yes, or is it ever-changing, or what is that? Oh, I mean, it's continual. It's ongoing, right? And so, I mean, during a sexual encounter, it's not like just right at the beginning, you want to do it? Yes. Okay, you know, carte blanche. We'll do anything and everything, you know? So I feel like that as they progress through each thing, right, that they should actually kind of check in with the other person. So that's what I mean. Like, it could be built in. It could be sexy because you're just kind of checking in. And it's, it's good because it shows you care about the other person and it shows that you also want that to be a pleasurable experience and a positive experience for your partner. Right. And, and that makes it really good. It does make it sexy. Right. You know? And so, so, I mean, it, it sounds like, first of all, there is, there is verbally, right. Something, some kind of check-in, uh, and, and it looks like that the two people are both enjoying it. Yeah. Right. You know, in fact, actually, one of the things that I do say to my college students is that if they're ever in an encounter where they are saying no or stop and their partner is not stopping because sometimes there's all kinds of other stuff's going on and that doesn't cut through. Uh, if you were to say the phrase, if you continue, you will be raping me. It's a very powerful phrase, right? Your date will be over, you know, but the thing is um, it, it will cut through any of the other stuff, you know alcohol or right. lust or whatever it is and they're like whoa what are you talking about and even though it might 
cause a, a negative confrontation. It's like, that, what are you talking about, right? You know, you want this too, but it will make them stop, right? You know, right. so yeah. So I mean, I hate it when somebody says, oh, it's just a he said, she said miscommunication kind of a thing. And it's like, mm. I roll. Yeah. Well, we can all do better with communication, right? But certainly that phrase is very powerful, right? Because the word rape is so charged that totally. if they were to say, if you continue, you will be raping me. Here's a mnemonic device. The four C's of consent are clear, continual, conscious, and free of coercion. There's this question that you had about rape culture, right? Even just coming up in casual conversation, and it's not necessarily just being like, hey, that's not cool, right? You know, to, we don't joke about rape, you know? And so one of the concepts that's been um, talked about and taught about, especially by Dr. Jackson Katz, is the bystander approach. And that's where even in your casual conversation with friends, um, what you would do if, you're, if your friend were to be joking about you know, either objectifying somebody sexually or about like, oh, I'd like to, you know, do that to her, or, you know, like she needs a dick up her ass or whatever it is, you know, to be like, to not just go along with it, right? To not just laugh, and, right? you know, and so, I mean, if it, if it causes discomfort or if you're like, hey, you know, that's really disrespectful, you know, or, and not just to qualify it by saying, hey, what if somebody were talking about your sister or your mom like that? You know, it's not just women are valuable based on their relationship to men. It's like, they just are valuable, you know, right. because they're human. And so in that case, like if you have friends who even joke about it, you know, to just, to just call them out and be like, you know, that's, that's kind of disrespectful, or, you know, that's kind of not funny or yeah, I don't really want to, joke about that, you know, and to make it so that you're changing the culture of your peer group, you know, as much as you can, right? And not just necessarily like step, stepping in to stop a rape, you know, as it happens, right? Uh, but to really kind of change, if, if you can, right, the attitude of your peer group and the way that they actually even talk about people, especially women. 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, because it is a culture. <laughs> so if we can change the way that people actually talk about this and and especially women and bodies and things like that, um, it can affect their behaviors, I think. Welcome back to episode four. Here we are. Here we are, partying the day away. Cool. Hey, Erin. Hey, Danielle. Um, this episode is about consent and rape culture, which is so important, such an important thing to talk about, really challenging thing to talk about because Absolutely. people don't want to hear it, but it's time. It's time people talk about it. Yeah. It's been time for since time started. Just the beginning of time. Absolutely. So it's really time. Let's talk about the definition of consent. Like, what does it mean? General definition, like legal definition and state definition, state law. And what does it mean to you? Um, a law says that there must be affirmative consent. Remember, this is Aaron Steinfeld, an educator and activist who teaches youth in Oakland about healthy relationships and how to prevent abusive ones. The Healthy Youth Act, passed in 2016 in California, says that we must teach consent to mean yes means yes. And I think there are a lot of nuances there around who can use words and who can't and how we can communicate yes in nonverbal ways. Um, for me, consent is anything that I can do to make sure I'm 
keep someone as comfortable and safe as possible during sex. Um, physically safe, emotionally safe, sexually safe, all the above. Consent is everything. Consent is crucial. It is important. Um, and it's, it really is a simple conversation. Um, and it's, it's, uh, there's simple things people can do to make sure consent is ongoing throughout sex. Um, and I think if we first practice it in non-sexual circumstances, um, or non-sexual situations, we get better at using those words and asking those questions. Um, I use the analogy of going out for pizza all the time when I'm talking about consent. Um, the example, one of the examples I use is if someone asks you if they want you, if they, if you want to go out to pizza, they're not saying, do you want to go out to pizza and kiss after going out to pizza means going out to pizza. And if you want to kiss after you have to say, can we kiss after, um, right? Like what the words you're saying means the words you're saying. Could you talk about the unfortunate epidemic of straight men pushing women's heads down to give them a blowjob? Yeah, what is up with that? What the fuck is up with that? That makes no sense to me. Who told them, like, no matter where you are, you just push that lady's head down to your penis? Like, who said that to them? Porn. Porn said that. Um, I think the porn industry is great in a lot of ways and provides people access to sexuality if they don't have sexual partners. And I think that a lot of porn does a lot of uh, harm to people who are wanting to have sex. Um, people expect sex to go the way it looks like in porn, and it usually does not. Um, I think that, like, when I, when I think about consent, I think about, like, what am I implying by doing certain things, right? Like, what am I implying when I reach to, like, unbutton someone's shirt? I, like, my implication is that I want to see them naked. Um, For straight men who enjoy pushing heads down when they're getting, or when someone's doing oral sex on them, not, it's not even straight men only like it's gay men. It's really cisgender men. Um, the implication of that is a, you who are performing oral sex on me, you're not doing a good job. I can control it and make it better. Um, and it's, it totally like, like I have a gag reflex. If someone were to do that to me, like it would be very uncomfortable if someone were to do that to me. And I've had to shove hands off of my head before because that's just a thing people do. Um, Or not even, even just like before, beforehand. Like even if like, I've had so many experiences where I've just been like kissing someone's chest and like want to do that on my own time. And people will literally, men have literally pushed my head down to go towards their penis. And I'm just like, oh no, no, no. Why would I ever do that to you now? For people who enjoy performing oral sex, shit like that makes oral sex not fun. Um, If someone really likes performing oral sex and someone else really likes getting oral sex, like you gotta have both people feel comfortable about it and it happening on the terms that both people agree to. Um, otherwise it's, it's really like borderline violate Um, it's really uncomfortable. Something that is interesting. A couple times young people have asked me 
what to do in situations where they explicitly said they didn't want a thing to happen. Then that thing happened, but then they enjoyed it and they want it to happen again. Um, and there's, there's really, you know, our cultural scripts around consent are, if someone violates consent, it's going to feel bad every single time. And while violating someone's consent is never, I'm never going to condone that. Sometimes like young people have said, like, I liked what happened, even though I said that I didn't want it. Um, and I think, again, those are really nuanced conversations to have. And it's really hard to have those conversations with someone who doesn't have a critical analysis of what consent even is or what it means or what it can look like. Um, but I think that, like, that kind of stuff happens. And giving young people the tools to have those conversations with their partners before, during, and after sex um, is, really, is really important. For all the people listening who are interested in shutting down rape culture when it comes up in daily conversation, daily life, without putting the person on the defensive, what are some strategies you would recommend? All of the strategies that I have, most likely the other person would be put on the defensive. And again, that's because people don't want to be punished. People don't want to be punished for doing something that they think they shouldn't be punished for or they think that they did right in the first place. But I think like really the onus shouldn't be on people calling out rape culture to do it in the right way. The onus should be on people to not perpetuate that shit um, in the first place. And for all you listening out there who have ever been called out for perpetuating rape culture, the best and only thing you can do is listen Take 10 seconds before you say anything and then apologize and then move on. Um, try to incorporate that shit into your behavior moving forward. Try not to do that again. If someone is calling you out for rape culture, it means that likely they think that you can handle that conversation. So prove them right and handle it. Yeah. yeah. Do it or else. No, just kidding. That was really well said. Um... Yeah, and I agree. I do think that it's on people who are doing it to, you know, to understand and to, like, recognize. Um, but, like, recently, you know, like, I've had conversations with family who just, like, really are just not there in terms of really understanding. Like, I have a cousin who said that, like, because women, there are certain women or a couple of women or, you know, who have quote unquote lied about being raped, then like it invalidates other rape victims, which like the first thing obviously that came out of my mouth was like, you're a fucking idiot. And like, it's really hard to like curb yourself when you know, especially as a woman who like, I personally feel like I've been violated sexually. And I know so many people who are, who have been raped and who have been sexually assaulted. And you know that that's not true. Um, but it's hard to come up with tactics to make sure the other person on the other end listens. Yeah. And I think like we see this time and time again in the news stories about people clearly, obviously sexually assaulting someone and then not being held accountable to that. Um, I, the statistic around false reporting around sexual assault is 2% and that comes from the FBI. 
2% of cases that get reported around sexual assault are false. That is the same motherfucking statistic around murder, around stealing, around any other crime. 2% of all crimes, according to the FBI, you can look it up, are falsely reported. Sexually assault, there's the statistic is also 2% with every other crime. Um, I think that like people don't think of sexual assault as a crime. Um, and I like, and that shows in our laws, the laws around like, uh, marital rape, like 50, all 50 states didn't decide that marital rape was against the law until the nineties. Um, and that's like extremely fucked up. Uh, and I think it also, you know, that, that stuff comes down, like laws trickle down into how people move through the, their, the world. So we're back in action talking about consent and rape culture. Right. Big <clears throat> topics. Yeah. Needed. Okay. The consent, not the rape culture. Yes. Um, what does consent mean to you? Consent. We should look up the origins of the word. Remember, this is Pristine Shin, an educator and activist living in Oakland. It means... Um, mutual understanding and communication around uh like agreements of how to engage with each other i think it can go in all sorts of ways it doesn't just have to do with sex <coughs> asking permission how important is it to you on like a 1 to 12 scale 700 nice and 12 <laughs> cool um why why is that important to you i mean with anything i think it's better when people are coming from a place of mutual understanding. I think most situations work better that way. There's a really good quote about love that says something about that. It's like, it's, it's bell hooks quoting somebody else. And should I find it and read it? Sure. Tight. Cool. Should we, we have time? Should we pause it? Um, we can just keep it rolling. It shouldn't take too long. It's just like a handful of things that I have, you know, mm -hmm. just like left tucked time, away. Left time of knowledge. <laughs> I got a left time of knowledge. What is that from? It's from a movie. Is I it She's the Man? Fuck. Yeah, it uh, is. Yes. I got a left time of knowledge. Left time of knowledge. <laughs> uh, all right, bro. Where are you? Here we go. Okay. Imagine how much easier it would be for us to learn how to love if we began with a shared definition. The word love is most often defined as a noun, yet all the most astute theorists of love acknowledge that we would all love better if we used it as a verb. I spent years searching, this is Bell Hooks talking, I spent years searching for a meaningful definition of the word love and was deeply relieved when I found one in psychiatrist M. Scott Peck's classic self-help book, The Road Less Traveled, first published in 1978. Echoing the work from Eric Fromm, he defines love as, quote, the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth, end quote. Explaining further, he continues, I'm going to stop talking about quotes, love is as love does. Love is an act of will, namely, both an intention and an action. Will also implies choice. We do not have to love, we choose to love. Since the choice must be made to, to nurture growth, this definition counters the more widely accepted assumption that we love instinctually. And then there's a different quote. 
How does that relate to consent for you? Um, that, you know, people, like if people are going to engage in a conversation, a difficult conversation, an easy conversation, if they're going to engage intimately with each other, if they're going to embark as a team together, if they're going to be having any form of sex or s- relationship with each other, um, at like coming up with intentions and agreements first and like structure for how to deal with situations that might come up. And I think it's specifically useful for situations that might be sensitive um, in any respect. Great. Um, (coughs) Rape culture. What is it? How do we stop it? Why is it so shitty? Help. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Um, These are like questions at parties that I imagine like, young like you know like really young like energetic like like whippersnappers like like liberal co-op people like passionately talking about on the foyer that i like walk out and i'm like i'm too tired for this shit and (laughs) i leave um because it's like anyways anyways um i guess you could talk about rape culture as a culture that uh, uh normalizes normalizes rape uh uh enables it defends it and uh doesn't have many structures or isn't set up to um validate believe understand or uh, prioritize the needs or experience of women in sexual encounters that was should i read a dictionary that was so good i can't even begin There's an awesome new organization called Taboo, that's T-A-B-U, all about sex education and empowering people to make informed, healthy choices. And we want to read you a couple things they have to say about what rape culture is. Rape culture is a term coined by feminists in the 1970s to refer to the normalization or trivialization of sexual violence against women in society. Rape culture manifests in many different ways. It is victim blaming, slut shaming, and sexual objectification. It's the fact that survivors of rape are often asked, what were you wearing? What did you say? How much did you drink? Rape culture is when people make jokes about sexual violence that validate the actions of perpetrators, or when perpetrators of sexual violence are defended because they are athletes, actors, or musicians. It is a culture that exists across the world and condones sexual assault. Okay, so Ingrid. Yes. Welcome back. Uh, we are today we're talking about consent and rape culture. Um, and in the previous episode um, about feeling good, we kind of talked a little bit about um, consent and about how it's ever changing. Can you just expand on that a little bit? The thing is it's with consent, it can happen from the beginning, the middle, the end, anywhere in between. Remember, this is Ingrid Ochoa an undergraduate coordinator and health education lecturer at SF State. And it's really when you start not feeling comfortable with something, that's when you need a voice and say, I'm not feeling comfortable, and stop. And that's, and it's, uh, it's your right. 
And it's really also even the beginning to even first ask, you know, and ask, ask, ask first. And that's why actually I did have this. I wanted to kind of um, share this because it's a really great um, campaign. It's a askfirstcampaign.org. And I really know the person. Her name is Maxine. She's wonderful. She's a sex worker and she's amazing. Uh, she developed this campaign and it's ask first. And it's really within the BDSM community, but it really applies to everything. everything. I actually put the sticker on my little nibbling which is like she's my niece nibbling is just a gender neutral way of saying your oh. your your little niece or nephew. yeah your niece or nephew uh and so I put this on her on her um I got her a a jacket and so I made one of these to nice. put it on there because okay she's a ginger yeah yeah okay that she's gonna be oh my god she's amazing and beautiful that's like a whole another little section but anyway (laughs) and everyone wants to touch her and i'm like hello do not freaking touch her because she's a very friendly little baby she just she's one she's one and so she's like smiling i put this on there and people were like why what i'm like yeah ask first don't touch her you know (laughs) and so it applies for everything for sure but no but that's so i left some here so you can amazing thank you um, you know but um Yes, consent, it happens anytime, anywhere. And also, too, it's not just, it's anybody can say it. Men, women, anybody, how you ever, however you identify. And and it's uh, it's just very important because it really makes you feel like you're worth it and you are worth it. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how else to, exa- to say it. That was it. Better, you got it. Very important to, for consensual, anything for consent. Question. Yes. How do you personally shut down rape culture that comes up in casual conversations that you're kind of overhearing or maybe it comes up in your circle or at a party that you're at? What do you do? What are the steps to realistically shut it down? And also, if you're trying to impact some sort of change on this person who's doing this, how do you do that? So I do really like um, I do a lot of talk about like um, bystander intervention and and that's really to kind of educate uh, people that if you see something that is you don't feel that you feel that 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 maybe there's some out of some things are out of control to assess like okay take action but assess first like what's going on is it something where you can actually go and intervene safely that it's not going to harm you nor the the person if so then go up to the person just like hey you know what you know this is not you know it's like hey don't you need to go with me to the restroom you know and take that person and out just to kind of help alleviate like the scenario or the situation uh but if it's something that is getting more rowdy this is where then okay then take action go and talk to somebody like uh if you're in like a club or something uh, then grab like a manager, grab a person like the bartender, whoever like who has who is works there to help facilitate our security. I would love to tell you a very relevant story yeah. right now about yes. when I was in Austin, Texas. It'll uh-huh. take two minutes because yeah, it's no, so please. amazing. I was in Austin, Texas with two of my girlfriends, and we were in line at a bar, um, like waiting for like thirty minutes to get into this bar. And there were these two guys who came up to us and started talking to us. And they were very friendly, very nice, but I had a jellyfish shirt on and it was tucked into my jeans as my shirt is now. Mm -hmm. And he tugged on my shirt and was like, I like your shirt. And he like touched my body. And I was like, oh, Oh, no, 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 you can't do that. You cannot touch me. And 
classically, both of them were like, oh, we have to ask before we touch your shirt. Ooh. And they were so rude and awful. And, you know, 45 minutes later, we get to the front of the line and the bouncer is like, how are you ladies doing? And I was like, not so good. These guys behind me are harassing me. Um, And as soon as we got in, the bouncer kicked both of their asses fucking out. And they're like, yeah, you're not allowed in here. So later. And we were just like, bye. See ya. You fucking suck. And it was just like the most powerful thing that I've ever done Mm -hmm. in my own agency and in my own body. And it felt great. Okay, can I just say I commend you for Thank that? Thank you very much. Because I know that must have like you had, you had like the power to say that and to yeah. do that, and versus some people won't wouldn't say that. Right, and, and I, so, I'm privileged in that way. Mm-hmm. Like I am a very outspoken person, and all of my privileges have led me to feel like I do deserve to mm-hmm. speak out when something like that happens. Mm-hmm. And it still fucking felt great. And mm-hmm. I'm so happy that I did that. That's good. Because, I mean, some of the things that I have seen, like, you know, coming from, like, a Latin community, you don't say that. It's hard to have a voice because it's considered rude. And so you keep it to yourself. And that's why it's a lot of the times, like, you know, um, sometimes you, if you see, like, you want to encourage personally, individually to, like, to take that step. But sometimes, like, if you can't, but if you're seeing other people maybe experiencing that, that's how you can help them. You know, um, and that's where it's like it's important then to have somebody have your back, you know, and you need to have those like people that do know what to do. Because a lot of the times when you see events, there have been so many studies that they've shown videos. I mean, I know you probably have all seen the videos where you've seen people have like arguing or there's like some like hitting or 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 aggression of some kind. And people are watching and they're walking by and they don't do anything. And that is that culture needs to stop. And 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 the people are sometimes afraid of like maybe I'm missing something you know what if you fucked up fine you fucked up and be like okay you know what I'm sorry but at least you tried something because I mean maybe five out of five times or five out of four times whatever maybe that person really needed help you know and so it's like um so yeah it's like really taking the action and not just walking walking away from it you know and there's different things that you one person can do to really create a change and that's what I'm saying like you know if you've seen something if you don't feel personally feel like you can do it then get somebody else who's in charge whatever to help you know or even and if it's to the point where like if you're not in a bar you're somewhere else call the cops you know and then stay there or just like hide or watch you know somehow then or even try to distract sometimes that even helps too but really it's about like um be an ally you know and don't just walk away you know some people just don't have the means or to protect themselves so you know and it's very dangerous out there One in four women will be affected by domestic violence in her lifetime. If you see violence or aggression against a woman happening in front of you, say something. All right, mamacita. Yes. We have the next episode here, um, and it's about consent and rape culture. Let's talk about consent um, in a different way, like not in a sexual way. How do you feel like consent should be taught to young people? And I'm going to say like especially boys, young boys who are socialized as boys. Um, How should those conversations take place in school, in everyday life, um, when it's not about sex, when it's just about basic human decency? I think that has to start from a very young age. Remember, this is Rebecca Levy. My mother, and an OBGYN, a mother of three who runs her own private practice in Napa with over 2,000 patients. 
I think when when people socialize their kids, a lot of times boys are socialized that they can take what they want and they can touch what they want and they can have and they can be rough and that kind of thing. And I think that getting them from a very young age to understand that you're not allowed to touch people that don't want to be touched. You're not allowed to stand too close to someone who is whose space you're invading. You know, that's a very home-taught thing, I think. And I think as boys get older, you see a lot of it in the in kind of the bravado when they get to be around maybe 10, 12, 13 years old where they think that they are entitled to get into spaces, especially of women or people who are smaller than them or people who don't have as much height or as, as much power. And I think that is something that you have to really put that down at that time to not allow it because you see all men and many young men and who feel very entitled that they can be in your space and they can touch you and they can talk to you in such a way where did that come where did that privilege come from you know the from doing it from before that from doing it where people have not stopped them so I think that in school at home you know I think that it, it's really important teach our sons you know about that have you had specific conversations like that with Jacob and Dylan what kinds of conversations well I think probably the ones that are more clear to me are the more recent ones let's say with Dylan because he's now graduating from high school Dylan's my 18 year old brother who is going off to college in a A week week. a week Ah. from Thursday (laughs) yay (laughs) (laughs) get out of here um you know we've had conversations because he's had uh, he comes he does tell me a lot of things about what happens in his friend group and there were issues in the high school where there were kids that he was friendly with who were accused of uh i don't know exactly the details of the story but I, i don't know the details of it but there was some kind of accusation made people kids that he knew and he told me what the buzz was about the other kids going things that were bad about her and she just made a fuss and this and that and we actually sat down and said hey oh no that's not the conversation that you go back to your friends with don't be one of those guys in the gang that just you know puts it on her and you know we ended up having that whole conversation about that kid is not entitled and you're not entitled and you know there's there's so much that goes on now where there's impairment you know and they're they may be drinking and and they're experimenting and whatever and that emboldens them you know they feel like they're part of this group and and that's that's what they do and it's really hard to get them away from that but i mean you know me my my way of telling my kids that i'm disappointed in the way they're behaving comes across and he was well aware about that and he said i'm not i'm not a bad kid you know and he's not a bad kid but there are bad behaviors definitely out there that we spoke about i think that's pretty much it for this episode do you have anything else you want to say um, about consent and wh- one of the other things that made a very big impression on me is that I've had several patients come in um, young girls who had probably Did either you say how old um, probably 19 to 21 or so that had gone to college away to college for the first time and you know I get really really busy in, in summer vacations and over Christmas break because all the young ladies come back from school and they come in and usually 
um, either for birth control or for information or for STD testing. And I've heard several stories of this very common thing where somebody drank something, they were with a group of friends, and then they woke up somewhere else missing clothing, don't know what happened. And it's really heartbreaking to hear those kind of stories that I'm I'm coming in after the fact. So I don't really have a chance to go back and go, don't ever leave your drink and always be with someone else and all the things that you would tell somebody that to hope that that wouldn't happen to somebody. But I have to go through so many things with them because it, it, I can't say maybe it's worse, but it seems worse when there's a gap in your memory because you really don't know what happened. And it could be anything. So I really encourage them to do all kinds of testing and all kinds of preventative things and go to a counselor and, you know, talk it through. And it, it, not only is it heartbreaking for them, but some of the moms of these girls are also my patients, you know, to come in and just to hear how somebody has violated your, your daughter. Just, you know, that you, I think you always have to think about the silly preventative things that people talk about. Like I just said, like always having somebody that's with you that is going to be watching you and, you know, never drink from something that didn't come right out of the but bottle. But you know what's and unfortunate about that is it, that you put it on us. We need to be teaching yes. the men who are doing this to Absolutely not true. rape and to not drug and to Absolutely not true. X, Y, and Z. But until it seems like they're all listening, you still have to be the defensive one. You know, you have to do the things to keep yourself safe. And I totally agree. I mean, look, they just came out with a, a vaccine to finally give to the boys to prevent HPV, right? Who do you think was giving all the girls HPV in the first place? Okay, so... Fucking boys. So the fact that they're going to get vaccinated against something that has been an issue for them all this time, okay, it's a really slow-moving world. So you do what you can do. Hey, Bay Area. If you're looking for sexual assault resources, we got a couple ideas for you. Bay Area Women Against Rape is a place where rape and incest survivors could receive the quality counseling, education, and advocacy they need regarding sexual assault. Their hotline number is 510-845-7273. RAIN is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. Find help, advice, and resources you need and call 800-656-4673. The National Coalition of Anti-Violence Programs is a national network of service organizations working with LGBTQ people who have been victims of domestic violence. To learn more, go to www.avp.org. Thanks for listening to Sex Ed with DB. If you want to engage with more of our sex ed content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and check us out on our website, sexedwithdb.tumblr.com. We would love to hear from you. Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com for questions, comments, and suggestions for our episodes to come. We know you care about consent. Tweet at us at sexedwithdb and tell us why consent is so important. Our creator, host, and producer is Danielle Bezalow, a.k.a. DB. Our content writers and editors are Danielle Bezalow, Aaron Steinfeld, and Rachel Upton. Our graphic illustrator is Jessica Lynn. Our social media and marketing lead is Kat Lestufka. Our sound editor for this episode is Emma Jackson. The title of our intro music is So Low by Art of Escapism. And our outro music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you to our featured voices and our listeners. Tune in next time.